You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello, this is RUV English. I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company on this Monday, if indeed it is a Monday that you're listening to the show. Time for a new episode of The Week in Iceland. And back on the show, welcome back to RUV English to Josie Gatons. Hi, Josie. Hi. Hi. Uh, journalist, of course, you've covered this part of the world for a, a long time indeed, and we get you back at the very height of summer, it seems. Yeah, just when there's, enjoying. Uh, what's it called? Cucumber season, or I think they call it in Icelandic. Yes. There's, there's uh, everything and nothing going on, and we're here to talk about it. Yeah, there hasn't been as much, certainly, over the course of the last couple of months as there might have been going on in the couple of months prior to that. We have had a volcanic eruption, of course. Well, that's kept people quite busy. Did you get a chance to see it, Darren? No, um, I didn't. Well, you see, I'm quite spoiled here, because... Literally, if I turn my head 90 degrees from my desk, we can see directly out to the eruption site. Now, it's not the same as seeing the lava erupting, but we saw the smoke for a, a couple of weeks, certainly. We're talking about this in the past tense, though, aren't we? It's finished. Yes. It's gone. R.I.P. Yeah. But, you know, all things and, considered, looks like that's not going to be the last. And that was one of the big questions that we were asking, I think, when this started. Is it going to be 2021? going on for six months, or is it going to be 2022? Yes. And it was 2022. It was. Um, and also, you're you're really spoiled at this point in Iceland when you can really kind of pick in tween, between the eruptions and yes. go, yeah, well, that was my favourite one, actually. And then this one was better because of yeah. this. So, Nothing for 800 years. Yeah, I And know. then three in three years. It's like the buses here, really. And, of course, in your former life at, uh, at Grapevine, uh -huh. lots of coverage, famously, of those... Volcanic eruptions and Valor, who's now our colleague here at Ruve, and Polly, his dog, of course, would walk up and down. Not up and down the craters, but they would no. <laughs> they no. would walk around the area. Don't walk on the lava was a yeah our mantra for sure, and we're very sad to see that that wasn't taken in consideration yeah. this time. But also, don't walk on the lava is kind of high on my list of things that I don't think needs to be said. You'd think, <laughs> and yet. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible, really. It really is. Well, um, I'm glad that uh, no one was hurt in that particular incident and yeah. uh, it remains to be seen how we manage those sorts of things in the future. Well, do you think, What? give me your best guess, are we going to be sitting here in a year from now talking about the fourth eruption in as many years? Is this now a part of the world that's been awakened? You know what, I'm going to say yes, mostly My, because I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> because if you say yes, you get the bragging rights, and if it doesn't happen, then uh, no one will remember. Absolutely. So it's fine. You heard it, heard it here first. <laughs> you can keep me uh, accountable to that one. OK, let's talk about something which has happened a bit more recently. Two events, in fact, over the course of the weekend. One here in Reykjavik and the other in the north of Iceland in Dalvik. Mm -hmm. uh, very different events in some ways, but also very similar in the sense that they're both massive family days out. We had Pride in Reykjavik and the Great Fish Day <laughs> in Dalvik. Well, I mean, it really, to me, demonstrates the spectrum of things that Iceland is known for. Because yes. I think when people think about Iceland, they think about... Um, well, we're known for our kind of social issues and how we approach equality and we're known for fish yeah. and here we are celebrating <laughs> both at one time and listen if you're a queer fisher person I'm sure you had a real difficult this was your weekend yeah, was this, you're like where <laughs> should I be um, or even if you just wanted to eat some fish because 200,000 servings of fish apparently were, were doled out in, in Dalvik to between 30 and 40,000 people it's a Astonishing. Um, yeah, the, the biggest number yet, they say, yet 
seems to imply that they're going to aim for more. Who are they going to feed next time? It's already I mean, a huge percentage of the population. It's 10% of the Icelandic <laughs> population. And I wonder where, I don't know how many people turned up at Pride. No, I haven't seen those numbers But, I yet. mean, for any event, 10% of a country's population turning up would be considered to be quite successful. Absolutely. So maybe, you know, if 10% of the population was in Dalvik and 10% was at Pride... <laughs> Where were the rest of us? Where were the rest? I was in Selfoss at the well, weekend. Where were you? Well, I, I didn't go to the to the actual Pride March this year. I went last year. And yeah. I have to say, um, it, it is incredibly moving. And it's really powerful to see this demonstration of uh, support. Because obviously, I mean, you know, as many uh, people attending are, in fact, part of the LGBTQ plus community, Many of the people who would go aren't, yeah. and they're there to show support and celebrate. You know how important it is to have this um, inclusion in our lives and diversity in our lives. But also just to have a great day out as well. To have a great day out, and there's so many different aspects, so many different groups putting on their own little things. Um, I did go to an event in the evening, the Schleicher event in Bio Paradis. It was fantastic. It felt very safe, very inclusive. Mm. There was an amazing safe space team who were doing an incredible job of just making sure that everybody was having the best possible time. And I think that's one of the things when I think about um, what pride has brought to all of our lives it's this uh, awareness and inclusion and and thoughtfulness that we can take about how we take care of each other yeah and iceland of course always ranks in the the top five of all the countries you know it's in the top five of, of all the lists that i think you'd want to be in and certainly as far as equality is concerned equal decks which is a legal analysis site rated Iceland number one in the world with the highest equality index last year. The ILGA Europe, European region of the International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Trans and Intersex Association said Iceland was merely number five in Europe. So I'm sure that there are plenty of people who would say Iceland does great work in this area, but it's not perfect. But then yes. is any country perfect? No country is perfect, um, but it's still important to recognise that there's long ways to go in terms of lots of things, um, especially in terms of things like trans healthcare that we're looking at at the moment. And so Pride is a protest and people were mm. out there in huge numbers enjoying the sunshine, but also making it clear that there's work to be done. Well, I take issue there with enjoying the sunshine, because <laughs> as you know, I'm not a fan of the sunshine. <laughs> Honestly, I I just I don't know what to say to you, Darren. We're all here having a wonderful time, and you're <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm just waiting for October when I will be full of the joys <laughs> of winter, and you'll all be mourning about it being dark. You certainly moved to the right country. That's yeah. For sure. And what's interesting is that you and I are from a very similar part of the world. I'm from yeah. Inverness, and you're from just north of Inverness. I think, yes, aren't you? I mean half an hour away. It's yeah. quite remarkable, actually. Yeah, and and that has left very different impressions of dark nights on us. It seems. <laughs> I just think I get plenty of dark nights. You have to let me have this one. Okay, no. fine. Well, I mean, we are now into the sort of middle of August and even the sunset times in August alone, because my partner's moving here finally permanently at the end of August. And so we've been looking at that particular date. Uh -huh. And we also looked at the sunset sunrise times. And there's a big difference just in this month alone. It ne this is the thing about Iceland. As soon as you start thinking, oh, this is all right. It's yeah. getting dark at this time and light at this time. In a week, it's changed. And that's that's actually far more than when people ask, how do you cope with the, the long nights in winter mm. or whatever? It's, for me, it's mostly the fact that it's always changing. But yeah. what can you do? 
We love it. We do. And <laughs> you have, I mean, here we have seasons. We we pretty much only have summer and winter over the course of the year, but we can have four seasons in one day as the song goes. Absolutely. Let's turn to the cruise ships next, I think. Well, um, I'm sure they're enjoying the sunshine. I guess so. Uh, they're in Aqua. There are five of them in Akureyri today. Five cruise ships in a 24-hour period, a sixth just north of that at the port in Grimsey. And a lot of attention is focused on these cruise ships, not least because some of them have left clouds of whatever over the over the towns and over the, the water, but also the sheer numbers of people that come into uh, town. Um, the harbour master in Akureyri says they're trying to spread the load of these five ships over the course of a 24-hour period because there's not room for them all to be in port at exactly the same time no. apart from anything else. It is the constant challenge of Iceland, I think, to find the balance between tourism as our biggest industry yeah. and also the infrastructure and just size of these places. I mean, Akureyri, yeah. it's a great wee city, but it is wee. Um, and of course, this is coming after the, the director of tourism uh, last month was quoted as saying that the, the number of cruise ships has risen too quickly. Yes. So, you know, it's all well and good kind of saying that, but then how do, um, you know, port authorities go about managing that? And the country more generally, I think, because if you take a city like New York, people will always travel to New York as tourists, but they don't go there for solitude. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it maybe matters to people who live there, but it doesn't really matter that much if New York doubles it in terms of population because it's full of tourists. It's busy already. Yes. People don't come to Iceland for that experience. They come, not in every case, but in many cases, for the solitude, for the space, to get away from other people. And and you're you're right. It's such a challenge to both encourage people to come and enjoy that solitude, at the risk of damaging the solitude. Absolutely, uh, damaging the solitude, and in many cases, like with as you were saying, with with these um, ships which have the capacity, some of them to be quite highly polluting. Yeah. There's also damaging the very landscape and features that people are seeking out, and mm. we've seen this in countless examples Justin Bieber and the Moss being the kind of primary one in my head but there's there's plenty of occasions where um, they, I mean they're looking at developing Landmannalaugar at the moment yes. and, and there's all kinds of tensions that are arising from this desire to experience our natural beauty and at the same time the sheer number of people who want to experience it can have an adverse effect on that. Yeah, we had the CEO of Play Air, I think it was, who was looking favourably at the idea of a so-called tourist tax. Yes. So people flying into the country would make a bit of a financial contribution as long as that money is then used to improve the infrastructure which is currently either imperiled or stressed by having huge numbers of people. Yeah. And I think the CEO of Icelander was also talking about you know, spreading the the load, if you will, having more entry points into the country. So actually, when you open up Akureyri and Eilstather as international destinations, you're taking the pressure off the southwest, which yes. is great, and you're opening up parts of the country which deserve to be seen. Totally, and and I know that there's been a lot of um, thought now going into. Um, you know, certain port authorities, Akureyri being one of them, are part of uh, a scheme where they're looking at the most um, polluting ships and kind of rating them and uh, these 
uh, cruise ships are either incentivized to come or de-incentivized yes. through, you know, different um, fees, I guess, and things that they might... Discounts discount. and or penalties, depending on how Absolutely. environmentally friendly or otherwise they are. And this is something that Isafir there is also taking into consideration now. It's obviously too late in the season for them to implement it at this point. But I think, again, schemes like this will help um, smaller communities have more control over mm. how they interact with tourists and how... Uh, because nobody wants to feel like they're living in a theme park for other people. No. Um, and so there has to be this balance between living and working and having your life here and also other people coming and enjoying it. Yeah. Well, I always remember, of course, and we don't have to remember very far back, that we came here as tourists. Yes. Everyone that comes to Iceland for the first time, unless they immediately start working in the country, probably comes as a tourist. Mm -hmm. And I have been a tourist and we have been tourists in this country many, 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 many times. And so the last thing I want to do is sort of, you know, pull up the the drawbridge or or be anti-tourist or anti-tourism. But at the same time... You don't want to kill the golden goose, do you? No, and you and it's about having honest conversations about, um, you know, how this economy makes its money, yeah. and it is through tourism. We need tourism. We need people to come here, and also we love it. We're yeah. fantastic hosts. We like to show off. We like to we show do. people that's, around. That's the, and the, I've been doing this for for de- I don't know about you, but I've been doing it for decades. I've been the oh, we were thinking of going to Iceland. Who who can we turn to for some tips, person? Uh-huh. I love showing this country off, and now that I'm a, a citizen of Iceland as well, even more so. Absolutely. So yeah, that's gonna that's never gonna go away. No, and we just need to look at it with uh, yeah with with an with an honest conversation. Yeah. When did you first come to Iceland? I first came in two thousand and eighteen, and yeah, it was as a tourist, and um, I just kept thinking I've got to figure got out to how back. to get back here, yeah, yeah. and I did. Why Iceland? What prompted you to come here? Well. That's a, a longer story, actually. But my dad came here in the 70s. Um, he sailed here as part of a with, a, with an explorer when such things still <laughs> existed as, yes. a, as an expedition. And he got stuck in Iceland for six months um, and got a job on a fishing boat. And I grew up on these stories of Iceland wow. almost being like a Narnia. Yeah. And so when I came back in 2018, I tracked down his old friends that he'd made here. Um, and and met up with them and kind of reconnected the dots. So Iceland's always felt like it's been part of my family's yeah. history in a way. What and a fantastic story. Yeah. Worthy of further explanation <laughs> or exploration, I should say, perhaps. <laughs> One day, yeah. Yeah. There's a book in there somewhere. There's, there's sure. a book in there. There might be a movie in there too. <laughs> Maybe even a podcast. You have to get my dad on board. <laughs> <laughs> Without question. Okay. Um, let's return to the present day and a story that caught a lot of people's attention, concerns. A word and a, a shop name that's very familiar to Icelanders. You've nailed it. It is. Rumfattelajren. Or no more. Or no more. Yusk. The, well, that's what it's going to become. But that word, Rumfattelajren, means roughly the bedding warehouse. Yes. Uh, the stuff you need for your bed. It is, of course, a furniture store. Mm-hmm. It sells all kinds of things. And for that reason, it's decided it's going to change its name. So it's a Danish brand, I believe. Yes. Um, and... In Denmark, it has always been called Jysk. Jysk, yeah. And uh, I'm sure there's a Danish pronunciation of that that I'm not nailing. <laughs> but when I'm, when I'm talking of moving to Iceland, when I moved here properly, I was so proud when I finally was able to say Rumfattelajren. 
and it became my favourite word to say and I would drop it into every conversation. <laughs> it was your Eofiatliukut. Yeah, absolutely. Like, forget volcanoes. If you could, It's actually way more practical to learn the name of the bedding store. It is. But now they've just changed it on me. I'm furious, personally. Well, <laughs> this chain, I, th- I think there are, there are versions of it in lots of Nordic countries. But in Denmark, the or- original name that was also used alongside Isk was and this is some Danish which I'm definitely going to mangle. Okay. It was Sengetishlager. Mm, yeah. Which think... in Danish translates as bed linen warehouse. I see. So there they've changed it to Isk. Okay. And that's happening here as well. So it's not it doesn't seem to be a slur against Icelandic words. It's just a recognition that this particular Icelandic word from Fatlerin doesn't relate to what the company actually does anymore. Right. But they've chosen a Danish word because that's the name of the company, Isk. So I think if they'd gone for an Icelandic word that said something like, we used to sell bedding linen, but now we don't. That'd be a long word in Icelandic, wouldn't it? And I'm sure, given Icelandic, it would be one word also. It would be one word, for um, sure. There about 30 letters. I mean, I hear what you're saying, that it's not a slur against Icelandic, but I'm still taking it as a personal slur against me. Because you made such an effort to learn the word. I really did. I really think they could have gone for an Icelandic name, though, in all seriousness. Mm. I mean, it's it's a complicated one in the sense that company names are, are always kind of reflective of the of the country of or, origin. Mm. But uh, And we get used to it with lots of different brand names. But, yeah, when it's gone from an Icelandic word to a Danish brand name, you know, there's, yeah. I, I understand why people feel strongly about that. Also, we're just used to it. We are used to it. But I think, I mean, judging by the photos that I've seen of Isk, they're keeping the, the sort of typefaces the same. Yes. And the signage looks the same. I, I mean, this is a black and white image, but I'm guessing it'll be the same colours as Apparently well. Apparently that's a goose. I thought it was a penguin for the longest time, but it's a goose because goose down bedding. And penguins don't exist in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, that's it. So that <laughs> We have cracked the code. <laughs> but then look, this one here, this one's white. So yes, that would that could be a goose, uh, that couldn't is, it? Yeah, that yeah. does look far more like a goose. It's a goose rather than there a penguin. There you go. Well, I'm delighted we've solved that. Listen, I'm sure everyone's very relieved. We talked at the start about the, the, the cucumber season coming to an end and everyone coming back from, from holiday. The, the news is going to ramp up quite dramatically. Absolutely. I think. And the I think there's... Weeks. there's um, we're ready for a kind of new political season yes. as well. And I know that there's uh, we kind of left things on a bit of a cliffhanger there with, with, with plenty of conversations, and I'm sure it's going to hit the ground running. Yes. And in Iceland, and this is something I've noticed for the first time being here for all of this year, is that holidays are taken incredibly seriously. Nothing Absolutely. happens at all for two months. I mean, it's not even that long ago that, that TV was stopped during the summer. Because everybody was on holiday. And um, there are very strong uh, workers' rights in this country um, mm. and union uh, unionism is very strong. Um, so, yeah, people really do just drop everything. It's I think it's quite surprising to tourists who come mm. when you know most people come in the summer. And especially if you go to some of the smaller towns, of course there's celebratory events like the ones we've been talking about, but a lot of other stuff just stops. It does. And... I kind of respect that. The TV thing, I'm glad you mentioned that. And we didn't rehearse this or plan this. It's just it's just the way it's happened. But it gives me a chance to mention that on Roof English shortly, we're going to be taking a look at some of the weird, not so much bans, but the weird 
things that didn't used to happen, things that weren't possible in Iceland until roughly the 1980s. Watching television on a Thursday yep. and in July was one of those things. Uh, also the beer ban, of course. You couldn't buy beer till 1989. You couldn't have a dog in yes. Iceland until fairly recently. And something else I didn't realise until we started putting this sequence together, you weren't able to buy milk other than from state milk stores until the later part of the 1970s as well. So we're speaking to someone down at the National Museum about the history of all of those bands and weird practices and how they got unrolled as time went on. So thank you for giving me the chance to, to mention that. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm really going to look forward to hearing that show. I'll tell you another one. Yeah. It's not a band, but this happened to me recently. Um, in, when I was culture editor at Reykjavik Grapevine, of course, I went to coverage movies and film and all kinds of things. So was that places like Bio Paradis all mm. the time but I'd never been to see a commercial movie in, in Iceland been to a commercial theatre and I went to see the Barbie movie of course it's wonderful um, and there's a break they take a break in the middle of every screening in commercial th movie theatres in Iceland does so that still happen? yes every single time and I had no idea what was happening and everybody just the lights go up everybody gets out goes to the bathroom goes and tops up their soda I mean, films are too long these days, but that's presumably not why. Well, sometimes, apparently, if for the longer ones, there can be two breaks. Well, I mean, a Christopher Nolan film is going to be about three hours anyway, isn't it? <laughs> so you just, well, you just have to factor in another ten minutes yeah, for bathroom or, breaks. Or book a room in a hotel for the night, <laughs> <laughs> waiting for it to start again. I think the last time, the last time I can remember a break during a film in a cinema was when I was six years of age in Nern watching The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, delightful. In 1979. Well... I may have imagined that. It's so long ago. I mean, in some ways, Iceland <laughs> still very much inhabits 1979, So, and this is one of them. I'm, I'm trying to... I must have been to the... We've definitely been to the cinema before in Iceland, and I don't remember there being... A break. Maybe it's uh, something that's being brought back. Perhaps. Restored. Maybe. 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 Especially. Maybe during COVID times, they weren't. They weren't encouraging people to go out and mingle. I don't know. But yeah, yeah it, it doesn't happen at Bio Paradis, and it doesn't happen at, at um, other art house uh, screenings. No. But in seems to be a thing in part of the And did it pause at the right moment, or was was Ken halfway through singing a song? <laughs> No, they, they must have to. And that's another thing. Who decides when and, and sort of how do they break it up? No, it was a very appropriate moment for it to stop, but still I was very confused. Yeah. No well, actually, the last on. the last film we saw on Iceland, come to think of it, was at Bio Paradis, and it was um, Driving... Driving Mum. Driving Mum. Great yeah, film. Which is a great film. There was no break in the middle of that. No, and I think for the best. For the best, without certain. Well, we're going to break here because our programme has ended. We have had a look at The Week in Iceland. Uh, unless we want to look forward to to what we think is going to happen. We've talked about the volcano. Maybe next year it will return. We've talked about the new political season starting again. Um, what are you looking forward to in the later half of the year? Obviously, I'm looking forward to the nights getting darker again, but, but we'll not agree on that. Well, there's there's lots of stuff to get to get uh, excited about. I mean, there's a lot of festivals coming up. Um, there's... Uh, there's of course airwaves taking place in November. Yeah. Um, very much looking forward to that. Um, the lineup's been announced and it looks fantastic. Um, there's an uh, one of my all-time favourite Irish bands uh, called Kneecap are coming over. Absolutely. Kneecap. Kneecap. Yeah. Okay. A bit on the nose. Yeah. Uh, they're a um, bit on the knee. <laughs> they're a rap duo from Northern Ireland who rap in Gaelic. 
Um, so I'm really excited to see how an Icelandic audience uh, encounters that. Um, but there's yeah, there's a whole range of festivals um, taking place in the autumn. There's going to be yes. a folk festival taking place at Kex. There's um, uh, there's the Festival of Nations, which I think is in Akranes. It is, and indeed we've got a show coming up on that as well on Roof English before too long. Look, I'm just, just doing feeding all me the, the promotional here. lines here, aren't you? <laughs> but with, you know, heading into the autumn, heading into the winter, certainly. One thing that Iceland does very well is that it doesn't just curl up in a ball during the winter months, does it? It has a ball. Yes. Well, it's, it's knitting season. Got to get your yarn in order. That's one Icelandic tradition which I've never been able to adopt, I have to say. There's and friends of mine have said to me, you'll be in a knitting circle before the end of the year. You wouldn't want to trust me with... Sharp objects like knitting needles. Listen, I think that's your that's the next podcast. I want a, I want a Rouve English knitting circle. That's not a bad idea. I thought you were going to suggest the next episode should be that I learn to knit. Well, that you're because I have think to. that's going to take up the rest of time. That will take until the heat death of the universe for me to learn how to do something as fiddly as that. That's not going to happen, I'm afraid. Okay, well, I, bets are on for volcanoes, uh, Darren's knitting abilities and uh, how long the sun is going to last. Yeah, well, you know, that's at least we know that that's going to be something that definitely changes. In my favour, if, if, if not in yours. Josie, thanks very much. Josie Gaytons, a journalist, joining me here on Rouve English. I'm Darren Adam. You can get in touch with us anytime. We're English at ruv.is. You're listening to the Rouve English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.